welcome to this week's Tell Me About the Podcast. This week we start to discuss Pan, Fix, Do, focusing on the plan section for this episode. We hope you enjoy. How's your week been, Dad? It's been a very interesting week. It's been all about human resource issues within the, the various businesses that I'm still involved. A situation where a manager was finding great difficulty in trying to control a subordinate who had decided that it was um, right to be disruptive within the team and so have been mentoring that manager to try and find ways, strategies for her to better control the subordinate and get to the underlying problems and deal with them. So yes, it's been um, quite a week of HR-related issues for me. By the way, I'm I'm sorry that I sound so nasal this week. I can't shift this cold at the moment. How about you? What have you been up to? Well, not much, really. I was a bit ill this week. (laughs) Now I'm over that. (laughs) We had a a meal at a supper club, which was really good. A local restaurant that closed down just after lockdown. Um, But the, the chef's... So the the head chef and the sous chef um, have bought a local pub and they're doing supper clubs in the meantime whilst they do it up. So that was really good. Really enjoyed that. Nice to find little places in random parts of the countryside that host things like that. Mm, Very good. I forgot to mention also that I've been invited this week to do a podcast with a a company that's run by a very good friend of mine. Um, They've asked me to look at talking about um, curiosity and lifelong learning and their links to entrepreneurship. So I've started to sketch out some ideas and we have a preliminary meeting on that one next week. Exciting. Very much so. See if they do it better than us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, shall we get into it then? So Dad, why don't you tell me about Plan, Fix, Do? Well, last time we talked about business planning and also a bit about financial planning. Let's assume that the planning process went well and so now we're faced with the biggest hurdle, that is, to get the journey underway, to move this from entrepreneurial ambition to entrepreneurial achievement. And that's about getting on with it, getting started on the plan. So this week what I'd like to do is talk a bit more about business planning, then go on to talk about the imperative of fixing your plan and most important step, getting on with executing the plan. Failing to fix and get on with the business plan is the most common reason why so many good ideas come to nothing. I dread to think how many products and services, how many great ideas are very clear in the minds of aspiring entrepreneurs, but are destined to either never see the light of day or be fulfilled by others first. Can you imagine that? I have a three-word mantra that I use. And I try and still in others to use. That is plan, fix, do. You mentioned it in the introduction, Beth. This has served me well throughout my working life as it ensures that if I'm going to spend time planning something, I'm going to fix that plan and then get on and do it. In his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey talks about all things being created twice. The first creation is in the mind, he'll tell you, and the second is in the physical creation of the thing. He cites the construction of a house as a great example whereby you've got to finish the plans and fix the plans before you can build the house. 
very practical example of it. If you get on with executing a plan and find yourself doing something significantly different to what the plan requires, then either the plan or your execution is wrong and you need to stop and reevaluate. If you are substantially complying with the plan, and I choose my words carefully here, then you are in the second invention of the ideas that were first invented in your plan. So we must remember all great things are invented twice. But these things are easy to say and do with experience once you have seen that your initial fears are, and barriers are unfounded. You have to trust the process. You've got to know that the only thing that you really control is within you and everything else is always subject to some external, some level of external pressure, even though I think mm. I might control my garden, yeah. the weather, environmental factors, animals, yeah. all sorts of things beyond my control mean that I have a hand upon it, but I don't control it. Yeah. My, the only thing I really control is when I look out in the morning and I see a deer has been digging in my herbaceous border, I can choose to throw a book across the room and swear, or I can choose to smile and plan an hour later on in the afternoon to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I really control. You control my your reaction. reaction to what happens. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more on planning. Just a few things I'd like to pick up after our last conversation on this. I often find myself talking with people who want to tell me about their idea. In fact, I cover such conversations, as you know. Many are dreamers. And that's okay, because as the banners around Disneyland say, if you can dream it, you can do it. The dreamers have a long way to go, but they're on their journey. For those who have given thought to their idea and are impassioned in the way they talk about it, they are at or close to the stage at which they should be getting the dream down on paper as a business plan, moving from entrepreneurial dream to entrepreneurial ambition. I wanted to say a word or two on perfection. This is a foolish pursuit, in my opinion, within a business plan and, as we'll go on to talk about, a substantial cause of procrastination in moving a plan into action. A good business plan just needs to be fit for purpose. If it's rich in anything, it's rich in its exploration of the risks and opportunities and explanation of risk management and opportunity taking. It's got to be clear on the actions and the outcomes they are intended to achieve. Most important importantly. A business plan is, is not forever. It's only going to be for a period of time, maybe six to 36 months, whatever your planning process is. And so there's plenty of opportunity for it to be revised uh, in the future when you choose to because of some change you want to instill in your business or because of some external pressure that comes to bear upon your business plan and makes it unviable. And so then you would come back and plan again. Such agility in planning is the benefit of micro-business startups, in my opinion. And one of the things that's so easily forgotten about is that you can stop and turn on a dime if you wish to, if things aren't going the way that you had hoped they would. Hopefully, your plan will have identified the path of least resistance to get from where you are to where you want to be in this first phase of your startup. If you find that you are doing something different in the execution to what you had planned, then that deviation is likely taking you into areas of risk and the great unknown. And you shouldn't be surprised if things don't go well. What do you mean about the um, the path of least resistance in a in a business sense? Ah, right. Yes. So 
um, think of it as a finding a path of the activities that you're going to do that avoids the obstacles which could take time or are unnecessary to have to deal with. So we're looking for a combination of the fastest way of getting from where we are to where we want to be, but combined with ensuring that we're not dealing with the most difficult route that we can find in that regard. But probably best if I give you an example. Let's say that you, you're starting a business which is going to sell a specific product through a retail outlet. So you are taking a shop and that shop needs to be refitted and you also have a specific date by which you want to be able to have the shop open and for your product to be launched through that shop dictated by some some external issue. You could adopt a, a strategy of saying I'll just tell everybody I want the shop and sit back and see what happens. That's going to take you on a difficult and awkward path where you're going to be reacting. You're going to lose control of the situation. It's going to take a lot more time doing it that way if you're just going to wait to react to what people want from you. You're going to get frustrated. Almost certainly you're going to miss your deadlines. You'll end up spending far more time on the project than you should have done and probably spend more money with your advisors and or on your refit or whatever. Path of least resistance to getting that shop open to achieve your product launch probably involves much more proactive activities. So go and sit with your solicitor before you do anything and understand the legal process. Um, think about what could go wrong and how you could best plan for that. I think we talked in a previous podcast about negative visualization as one of the stoic approaches to business. This is path of least resistance involves much negative visualization to anticipate what could go wrong and try and remove the barriers or change your direction of travel to avoid those things that could go wrong or to minimize the impact of what could go wrong. You could, as well as speak to your solicitor, you could tee up your surveyor, you could um, a, a get permission from the landlord to go in early before the lease is completed or negotiations have completed to measure up and start to get your plans underway, um, taking that all the way through to getting quotations for the fit out all running in parallel with you getting to the point of signing a lease and getting the keys on your building so you can physically take control of the project in that respect all the time, understanding the risks that you might be taking um, and making sure those risks are commensurate with the rewards you see associated with hitting that milestone you've set for the product launch within your shop. So I suppose the path of least resistance is really looking at the most efficient use of time, both yours and the time of those people around you, especially ones you might be paying for, like your solicitor, etc. Um, ensuring that you can hit your deadlines as you dictate them and making sure that you are not exposing yourself to issues along the way which could deflect you from the end game, which in my analogy is getting your product launched at the right time. Does that help better understand what I mean by path of least resistance? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. 
in a later podcast, I know we'll be talking about the importance of balancing the time that you spend working on your business compared to working in your business. Simply put, for now, working on is about checking that the direction you're going in is the right one and removing obstacles along the way. If you will, you're not earning money while you're working on your business, you're enabling the earning of money. Working in your business is is doing the thing that your business needs to do to earn the money. The management of the business, the, the delivery of its products or services. An acceptable consequence of working on your business will be the need to replan, as we mentioned above, to vary the fixed plan that you started. Let me give you some examples of the sort of thing I see cause business plans to be replanned. Perhaps a new competitor arrives in the marketplace uh, with a different offer, one that causes there to be confusion with your own or makes your own seem inferior. A supplier of a key component goes bust or has to raise their prices to a point that you can't afford to keep your own product which incorporates that component at a sensible market price. You've got to replan how you're going to find a new supplier or or, or change your product accordingly. You have a key member of your staff resign, um, somebody who has held together a significant part of the business. Um, what are you going to do in, in, in terms of replacing them or is that an opportunity to remodel that part of your business, replan, if you will? Your business outgrows its premises. What are you going to do next? This requires you to go back to the drawing board and do more planning again. Or perhaps an economic downturn, severely restricting the demand or supply side of your business. What are you going to do in that situation? You, you're going to have to go back and replan again. We see that quite a lot in um, interior design when, for an example, I was working on a listed building in London and we designed all of the rooms as per the client's style, our style, all of that. Um, And everything was out, construction was started on the building and they took, I can't remember what it was, it took some kind of plaster off of a wall in a bathroom and found more listed tiles within that bathroom and the client loved them so then we had to redesign that whole bathroom to include those tiles and we were already at you know all of the floors had been ripped out and we were past the stage of design so then we had to go back into the project and do it again Mm. when you have to replan be quick and be accurate about it and get back to the execution stage don't allow replanning in your business to be a cause of procrastination get the planning done fix the plan and get back on with it again Let's not underestimate the power of a deadline. At school, the submission date for an essay was a hard, immovable deadline that had to be reached. Sure, you may well have procrastinated in writing that essay, but there was a point at which you had to spend one day, one night, one week getting it done because the deadline was immovable. Tax returns may be another great example of something that causes us to get stuff done on time. And I think that building deadlines into business plans is important and can help to ensure that action is taken in a timely fashion rather than business plans without time constraints, time frameworks, which can allow the execution stage to just wander on without any real sense of where's it going to end. I think one of the things I was thinking whilst you were just talking about planning there was for a lot of people there'll be 
at the planning stage whilst they still have um a full-time job because they can't like i mean unless maybe they're on maternity leave or furloughed or whatever so how do you think you can plan without it overpowering the rest of your life obviously you said there about not being a perfectionist but do you think you can give a realistic time like when you start it you see like right I need to get my first ideas done this week then forget about it for a week and then come back to it and then mm, what would yeah. you say I think those are that that's a great strategy your, your your point is absolutely right and um and not just if it's about holding down your current job of course you may have family obligations and various other things which limit your time available for this but let's assume that because the entrepreneurial flame has been lit the dream to ambition which i think is the planning stage ambition to um, execution is the doing stage so getting your dreams down on paper in a coherent format that is the business plan is best done in small bite-sized chunks i would suggest that it's actually more about the thinking finding the right place to think this stuff through getting rid of the distractions in one's life however you do that long walk with with your mobile phone left at home or whatever it might be but think it through and then the writing of it becomes that much simpler but yes Chunking it down is a good way to do it. Uh, sketching initial ideas. Maybe you create a vision in your mind of what you think the business plan is trying to achieve and then work back from that rather than working up from, so I've got this idea for a product and I've seen a shop I like and, and I've got a spare bit of space in my garage building the plan from its components. Actually say, in a year's time after starting my business, I want to be this and work back from whatever this is. So if you're saying plan, fix, do, what if you are the kind of person that does need to just go back and tinker with the plan? What would, would, would that be okay? Like, what would you say to that? I think if it's tinkering, then I say no. I, I, that's, that's procrastination again, and that's what this is all about, avoiding. Plan it and fix it. If, as we've said, if there's genuine external conditions which come to your attention after you think you've finished your plan that have a bearing upon the success of plan or the due process that the plan sets out, then I think that's right to go back and look again at the plan in the light of that new information. But I think it has to be a reactive process to something that is a threat to the success of plan, rather than just another idea you had while you were out walking the dog and you thought you'd pop it into your plan. If it didn't figure in the first substantive planning process that went on in your head remember all great things are invented twice so your plans being invented twice you're going to think this stuff through then you're going to get it down on paper that's the double invention of your business plan if you will tinkering is not permitted in that model you've got to fix it you've got to be brave enough to say that's it it's done write the end at the end of the plan and move on Yes, that's where the replanning comes in. If you get it done, you implement the plan, then you learn from the reaction or the outcome of that plan, and then you can go back to replanning. That's right. Rather than just tinkering. Yeah, and there might be room in here for new planning as opposed to replanning. If you fix your plan, get on with it, so do it, 
um, and then you're finding that things aren't going the way you want to, maybe you need a new plan rather than a replan. So the new plan starts from where you are and is a plan to get you to somewhere different to where you thought you wanted to be. A bit more informed in what your journey is than yeah. right at the beginning. Yeah, and, and let's also remember something we talked about, in, I think, in the last episode, and that is the what is the purpose of your plan and how does that dictate what your plan comprises? Because if your plan is one that's going to help you individually move from employment to self-employment and you're going to be working on your own, possibly without premises from home in the first instances of your business plan, then, then the plan only needs to cover off the basics and doesn't need to be presentable, if you will. It, as long as it's down and clear in what it needs to be done, there's no point in creating bound documents that you expect other people to read. It mm-hmm. can be can be fairly basic in terms of its content and its presentation, so long as it properly informs you of what you're going to do. And we talked earlier on about also um, greater content to your business plan and more professional production and presentation of your business plan if you're going to be talking particularly to other people who you'd want to help fund your startup. Yeah, it's just to keep you on a path and see the end goal rather than flailing about trying to get somewhere, I guess. That's absolutely right, Beth. And the, I mean, the analogy that I've, I don't like to use on a regular basis because I think it's too well-worn, to be honest with you, but let's just get it out the way, and that is of the, the satellite navigation system in your car or on your phone. The only way it works is if you know where you're going, and the only way it gives you a benefit is if you then follow the plan it gives you to get there. And, and I think that's, that is a good analogy business plan the business plan should start with where do I want to be plans should then give you the route to it and it is now incumbent upon you to follow that route if it's where you want to get to if you don't follow that route you're going somewhere else yeah you can make up your own one with like a specific golf course hole Mm. you know where the the hole is you know Mm. where the tee box is and then you've got to use the right clubs yep. and plan it beforehand. Mainly. Yes, that's right. Yes, and in my case, on a par four, that would be which eight shots am I going to take? So that's, <laughs> that's another story about my woeful golf. I think you're better at golf than you say you are. <laughs> so I know I've said this before, but I'm going to keep saying it. Regardless of how well your plan is prepared, without a firm resolution to get on with it, preferably without any deviation from the plan as we've said, then your plan is going to remain just that. It'll never come to fruition because you'll constantly find reasons why you shouldn't get on with it. Up until this point, the dreaming, then the research and planning have all probably been done without any real cost to the entrepreneur either financially or in terms of current stability and opportunity, family life, etc. Most first-time entrepreneurs will have got through this stage in their own time whilst holding down their job and their income. Sure, there always are some who are brave enough, stable enough or just plain adventurous enough who'll be happy to risk most or everything they have Just throw in their job, take out their life savings and wake up one morning and start converting their dreams into an entrepreneurial reality. Often these people will have no specific plan, just a vision of what they see it like when it's successful. In American writing circles, there's a term used for a certain type of author called a pantser, somebody who writes their novels by the seat of their pants, as opposed to those who are outliners and planners. Business planning is about outlining and planning. I don't think there's much room for pantsers in business planning circles. 
and those who are of that ilk will likely fail more than succeed and lose a lot in the process. Let's assume then that you've been able to convert your entrepreneurial dream into a business plan in your own time and if you have a family commitment you've not got into too much trouble in the process. More importantly, and not something we have said so far, your planning is sufficiently objective to indicate to you that it's a viable plan. What do we mean by viable in this instance? Well, we've got to bear in mind the relatively early stage that things are at when a first business plan is put together. Time and money probably both limit quite significantly the detail that can be gone into at this stage. And lack of experience in the budding entrepreneur also puts limits on the depth of thinking and focus. Rest assured that when one comes to have written one's fifth or tenth business plan, you've got a much better handle on what are the things you should be focusing on that are going to make a difference at the execution stage. But let's not get too hung up on that right now. A plan is a plan no matter what it's got in it. And the budding entrepreneur will have done the best they can in the time available. But the plan has to, under this heading of viability, let you know whether this is something that's proceedable to the next stage or not. It's important to dispassionately assess the viability of your plan. How do you do that if you've no experience in doing so? Well, what about asking yourself a series of questions? Remember, cash is king. We've said that during the financial planning episode, and let's repeat it now. Everything revolves around cash and cash flow. So firstly, does it look like cash is going to go positive? And by that, I mean you're going to collect more cash than you spend in a week or a month. Is it going to go positive in a time period before the startup cash that you've set aside to make this happen runs out? Because when that startup cash runs out, the only source of cash for you will be having an excess of income over your expenses. So does your plan viably show that that can happen, that your startup cash will be enough? If not, you either need to go back and replan, cut down your costs, try and bring forward the income, or find more startup cash. But at least you've checked that viability point within your plan. If you want to have the startup cash you're going to use repaid at some stage, then the plan's got to viably show sufficient profitability in the short term that enough cash will be generated from those profits to repay that startup, particularly if you're borrowing your startup cash perhaps. There'll be a defined period of time in which those who you're borrowing from will want to be repaid. So you've got to know from your reading of your business plan that it it's realistic, it is viable that you're going to generate enough money and cash to repay your loans. It sounds like the you kind of need to know a bit of a fundamental about cash flow and all of that before you even start this process. What do you think? Most certainly some understanding of how a business generates cash and uses cash is going to be pretty important. The extent to which um, a young entrepreneur, particularly with no prior experience of starting a new business, should go off and study cash flow forecasting, cash flow management. I'm not sure. There probably are sufficient resources on the internet, YouTube, etc., that will give you a basic handle on some of the main concepts of cash flow and cash flow management. But 
it is something to be highly aware of. I, I think you need some basic fundamentals at the planning stage to be able to predict with any degree of confidence when the cash is going to flow and how much is going to come in. But I wouldn't suggest that an entrepreneur goes out to train as an accountant before they follow their entrepreneurial dreams. There is a degree of learning on the job that is acceptable. It's another one of the risks that's going to be taken for the rewards that are on offer. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a bit of both, Beth. I think you need to have some basic understanding. Let, let's face it, if the entrepreneur has been a householder, then they will, whether they recognize it or not, have been conscious of cash flow management. They'll know what their outgoings are, they'll know what their income is and the timing of both. They'll have worked hard on the timing of each to make sure that the salaries are in the bank before the mortgage is paid, etc., etc. That's cash flow management. And there's at, at its atomic level, there's not much difference between running a household and running a business. Um, as, it, as the businesses grow, cash flow management will get more complicated. But there's the opportunity for the entrepreneur to learn on the job. So I think a good degree of common sense, look at what experience one does have in terms of worrying about cash in, cash out. And if there is no experience, maybe get some fundamentals through a little bit of online uh, research in the matter. Don't go in completely blind, but don't get too hung up on the need for skills. None of that says take your eye off the cash ball. That's important all the way through the process. I suppose another aspect of viability that only the plan itself and your reflections on it can answer is, does it all still seem sufficiently different in the marketplace? Is your idea still as unique as it was when you first dreamt it and started to put it down on paper? Do you think that its uniqueness is going to drive sales at the quantities and in the timescales that your plan is suggesting? If not, I'm sorry to say you're heading back to the drawing board again and look again at your sales rates, your USPs, etc. Another viability check would be to make sure that in the period that you spent converting your dream to a plan, has the market or competition changed? All these things are fast moving in this day and age. If so, again, back to the drawing board, get a reassessment of your unique selling points and this time your route to market. Is there a different way of navigating the place you're at to the place you need to be in terms of where you're going to sell your product or service and deal with that new competitor? I suppose the last point is does your plan read like a reality or is it too fictional by that I mean do you read it and raise your eyebrows because you don't really believe what you're reading yourself you can see the relative absurdity of some claim you're making in there or you know that something has been put down by a belief you've got rather than based upon hard facts of research if it is, in your opinion, too fictional, then either throw it away and start again, come up with a new idea, or go back to your drawing board again and try and polish the thinking behind it to take out any fanciful ideas that ended up in your business plan. Oh, and not forgetting another viability check that's vitally important. Does this business plan give you enough reward for the risk you're going to take sufficient for you to throw in your current job and your current career? I think that's vitally important for people to, to think that through. If you are entirely emotionally driven by the desire to say to yourself, I did that, to prove to yourself you can do it, and that's going to come at reasonably all costs, 
then get on with it. But there is a reality, especially at stage of life. We talked about that in an earlier podcast. If you've got dependents and you've got obligations, I think this aspect of viability does the plan offer a sufficient reward for the risk I'm going to take that is worth me throwing in the security I've got from my current job and my current career. Vitally important question to ask yourself. Yeah, this is a point that we keep coming back to. Where when is it suitable to do this in your life and what stage you need to be at? Absolutely. If you have, when you've asked yourself any of those questions, got doubts now over the viability of your plan and you head back to the planning stage to look again at the details, I don't want anybody to feel bad about that. I think that's the right thing to do. I think that it's a positive move towards producing a plan that you can fix. I think it's a step in the right direction for the entrepreneur to have had that objective viewpoint and to have reacted correctly to it. So I think that you should consider there to be some small success in identifying questions over viability in your business plan and bothering to go back and look more at the plan itself to see if you can overcome those and give yourself a much greater sense of viability before you fix your plan. You can be optimistic, but you have to be realistic at the same time. Excellent. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Optimism and realism in in equal measure, um, I think, will bring together a really interesting plan. And of course, if you doubt yourself and can't get out of your own way, then now's the time to quit. Accept your fears are going to prevent you from taking the risks implicit in the entrepreneurial endeavour and embrace employment and income. Don't feel sad. If you really can't take the leap out of the plan and into the do stage, then don't beat yourself up. Give yourself a pat on the back for having had an entrepreneurial dream that you developed into a business plan. It's just a matter of time. It might be that your plan has legs and is something that you really want to do a bit later on in your life. You may even be able to sell your plan to somebody else who is willing to execute upon it if it's that good. But don't, uh, don't walk away from business planning feeling bad about it. I guess that's kind of the stage of life I'm at. Not that I have actually written my business plan yet. I will do that soon. Um, but I have the the want to be an interior designer for myself, uh, but know that I need to have a few more years of experience before I can go at it because I need to just tick off a few more experiences within other people's companies. So I've got the idea but now I'm just waiting for that right time in my life to implement the idea. And I think it's and it's right to wait to business plan prior to your point of execution. Mm-hmm. What we've just said is that the plan may well sit on a shelf. Not all plans are going to do that. Some plans may well talk about an idea, a gap in a market, whatever it might be, that is of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, But nevertheless, um, there are always going to be plans that could be done in one, three, five years time, as well as they could be executed today. Um, so, So if you've prepared a plan and you decide you don't want to go forward, firstly, congratulations. You went through a part of the entrepreneurial journey and you should feel good about that. And I'm sure you learned something about your idea and yourself in the process. But all is not lost. Um... It, can, it may happen in the future, and as I said, um, a great plan may be easily sold on to somebody else. Thank you for listening to our fifth episode. We hope you enjoyed it. 
We've had to split this episode into two as there was a lot to digest in one lump. So check in next week for the do and fix part of this discussion. Please follow, like, review and head to our Instagram at tellmeaboutpod and our website tellmeaboutpod.com to keep updated. 